Well, this morning, Exodus chapter 2, I'm going to share with you a message uh, from what I'll call a pretty powerful woman of faith in the Old Testament. I'm going to give you her name, and I want you to raise your hand if you've ever heard of her. Her name is Jochebed. Her name is Jochebed, and don't raise your hand if you heard of her on Wednesday night when I gave away the sermon to some of you men. You men can take your hands down. Now, how many of you have ever heard of the woman named Jochebed? A few of you. Praise the Lord. The spiritually mature people in the room. Hallelujah. (laughs) The Bible tells us in Numbers chapter 26 that Jochebed is the mother of Aaron and Moses and Miriam. Uh, Numbers 26 and verse 59. The Bible says that she is Amram's wife, and her name was Jochebed, the daughter of Levi, whom her mother bare to Levi in Egypt, and she bare unto him Amram, uh, Aaron, unto Amram, Aaron, Moses, and Miriam, their sister. And so this morning we're going to talk about Moses' mother, uh, and she does have a name, and, and most of us are familiar with the story of Moses and with his mother. Uh, sometimes we forget that there's some cross-references in that Bible that give us the name of his, of his mother, and so her name is Jochebed this morning. And, and as we pick up the story in Exodus 2, I, I kind of want to just take a second and paint the picture of what's happening, happening historically. There, there are perilous times in the land of Egypt in the book of Exodus. The nation of Israel had gathered themselves into Egypt under Joseph. Uh, Joseph was second in command to Pharaoh. Uh, God allowed him to restore his family into right fellowship with him. And they all came to Egypt, Jacob and his sons and his family. Uh, and they, they were given land and they were given blessings and they were able to multiply in that land of Egypt. And uh, God did a miraculous work in their life. Well, the king, Joseph, died. And then the king that that had such an intimate relationship with Joseph, he was no longer king. And there was another king that rose up in power in Egypt, another pharaoh. And that king, that pharaoh, did not know Joseph. And the Bible says in Exodus 1, verses 10 through 12, that that king actually was against the nation of Israel. He, he decided to deal wisely with them. He felt threatened by their presence. He said, man, these guys are multiplying, they're growing. If we're not careful, they're going to get so big that if one of our enemies come, comes to fight against us, these people are going to rise up with our enemy and they're going to defeat us. And so he began to deal wisely, uh, cunningly with Israel. Uh, the Bible says that he began to afflict them and their burdens. He enslaved them, the Bible says. And they built for Pharaoh treasure cities. And the Bible says that the more that this Pharaoh afflicted them, the more Israel grew and multiplied. And the Egyptians were grieved because of the nation of Israel and the Hebrew children. And so so this Pharaoh said, I'm going to step this up a notch. Uh, These guys, I'm really concerned about them. I'm fearful for, for them and what they may do to us. And so he escalated his persecution. He said, I don't want them multiplying any more than what they are. We've tried to be mean to them. That didn't stop them. So now we're going to institute a governmental standard. In Exodus chapter 1, the Bible says, and these are tough words, when these Egyptians give birth, the Bible says in Exodus chapter 1, verse 15 and 16, the king of Egypt spake to the Hebrew midwives, of the which one of the names was Shipra, and the other name was Pua, and he said, when ye do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew children, in other words, when you help these Hebrew women give birth, And you see them upon their stools. If it be a son, then ye shall kill him. But if it be a daughter, then she shall live. And so so this king of Egypt, like, took things to the next level. He 
he instituted a governmental standard that if a male Hebrew child was born, he was to be killed. How horrible is that? I mean, it's just absolutely horrible. We appreciate, we understand the sanctity of life. Uh, that battle is raging, certainly, in our country. Um, and thankfully, these Hebrew midwives refused to obey the king's command. And so the king came back a few verses later and he said, okay, well, if you're not going to kill that child, then take every male and cast him into the river and, and drown him. Horrible situation. It, it would make you concerned to have children in that type of culture, right? I mean, I mean you already have a standard, a, a governmental standard that says, man, if, if it's a male, uh, we need to put it in the river. What in the world? And, and, and fearful, certainly. Uh, that would make a parent, that would make a mom and a dad think twice before having children. That's the context in which we pick up the story in Exodus chapter 2. And so I want to read verses 1 to 4 very quickly, and then we'll, we'll make a few points and get out of here. So the Bible says, There went a man of the house of Levi, and he took to daughter a wife of Levi. And the Bible says, The woman conceived in verse 2 and bare a son. And when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could no longer hide him, she took him, uh, took for him an ark of bulrushes or, or reeds, and, he, and she daubed it with slime and pitch, and she put the child therein, and she laid it in the flags by the river's bank. And his sister, this, this would have been Miriam, stood afar off to wit what would have been done to him. And so, and so this morning, we're going to talk about mothering in faith instead of fear. And it's going to be a wonderful message, I think, for our ladies, but I want you to understand we're all called to live in faith instead of fear as children of God, and I think God has something for all of us. So let's pray. We'll get into the text, and, uh, and we'll see what God has for us. Father, again, we thank you for the privilege of being here. Lord, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for the provision through his sacrifice on the cross for our sin. We thank you that we can be saved through his shed blood and faith in the gospel. Lord, I pray as we, as we study together this morning, be an, be an encouragement to us through your word and through your Holy Spirit. God, teach us how to live in faith and not in fear. And show us a woman's and a mother's powerful faith that made a difference in her son's life. God, I pray you'd be with us today and, and be blessed by everything that's said and done. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning, we're going to look at Jochebed's life of faith instead of fear. And the first, the first thing I want to share with you this morning, this first point, so to speak, is... This woman had a mother's faith in multiplying. She had a mother's faith in multiplying because verses 1 to 4 tell us that despite everything that was going on in Egypt, despite the persecution, despite the affliction, despite the king's commandment, if you have a child that's a male, you must kill him or throw him in the river. That's horrible. And despite all of that, this woman had enough faith to say, you know what? My God is sufficient. My God is bigger than this king's command. And I'm going to do what God's called us to do. And, and you know, I, I remember, you know, when we got married, Allie and I got married. And uh, when we got married, we, we were thinking about kids. And we're like, man, when are we going to have kids? We're going to plan it. We had like a five-year plan. You know, we're going to wait five years, be married five years, and then have children. And then after five years, we began the renegotiations, you know. <laughs> and, and, and some of those renegotiations, I mean, because they tell you, you need to learn to be married first and all that good stuff. And we did, and we still do. And, but, but after five years, it was like we couldn't get on the same page. And one of, the, one of the issues we had was kind of the issue of, man, this world's kind of just mean and wicked. I mean, did, did any of you guys as parents think, man, it, I'm a little concerned bringing a kid into, into this world. And you know what's interesting is from Exodus 2 to 2002 to 2019, uh, it's the same. 
right? It's, it's just the same. The, it, the world's just sinful. It's broken. It's in need of a Savior. And, and listen, as a parent or, or wanting to be parent, I understood, and, and my wife certainly, we had those concerns of bringing a child into a world like ours. Jochebed would have certainly had those same sentiments, if not more, because, man, there's a governmental mandate that every male child had to be discarded. But Jochebed lived in faith and not fear. And, and so she understood, even though it wasn't written yet, I mean, she understood the principle of Psalm 127 and verse 3. The Bible says, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. And, and these are things that are, that are a blessing to us. Children are a blessing to us. They are certainly from God. The fruit of the womb is God's reward to us. I also want you to know that, that, that these were Hebrews, these were Israelites, and God had made a promise to the nation of Israel in Genesis chapter 12 that, that they were supposed to multiply and be blessed. It, it started all the way back with Abraham and, God, and the covenant God made with Abraham in Genesis 12. You know, the Lord said to Abram, get thee out of thy country from thy kindred, from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation, and, and certainly great in influence, but also great in number. And I will bless thee, and I will make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and I will curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And so that covenant that God made with Abram, who later became Abraham, passed to Isaac, then to Jacob, then to Israel. And so listen, man, this, this is the nation of Israel. This is Jochebed. She's a good Hebrew woman, and, and she had enough faith in what God said that yeah, I know we're being afflicted and persecuted, but I just trust my God. I just trust my God to multiply. You know, God gives us some insight into this in Hebrews chapter 11. <laughs> Hebrews 11 is the, the, the Bible chapter that many people refer to as the chapter of faith. All those people that are mentioned in Hebrews 11 are, are living a life of faith. And the Bible says in Hebrews 11 and verse 23, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents. And I just want you to understand, that's not Moses' faith that's being mentioned. That's his parents' faith. They had faith in what God said. They had faith in who God's, God, they had faith in God and his word. They knew who God was. The Bible says because they saw he was a proper child, listen, and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. Jochebed was a woman of faith. She was a mother of faith. And listen. She wasn't afraid of the king's commandment. Now listen, there are certain governmental commands you need to be fearful of and, and obey, one of which is the speed limit, right? Uh, you know, we, I think I gave an illustration a couple of weeks ago about breaking that and then being reminded gently uh, by a law enforcement officer that those signs are there for a reason. Okay, look, Romans 13 is in the book. You can't just disobey every governmental authority and, and, and ruling that you don't agree with or don't like. But listen, there are certain commandments from our government that go against what God's word says. And that's when we have to obey God rather than men. You know, in the New Testament, when, when, when Peter and the apostles after the resurrection were preaching Christ, you know, in Acts chapter 5, they, they were commanded to stop preaching in Jesus' name. And Peter just, after they'd been beaten and threatened and imprisoned and all the different things, Peter said, you know what? We ought to obey God rather than man. And that's what's happening in Jochebed's life. She is obeying God. She's being faithful to multiply, to reproduce, to, to understand that children are a heritage of God. And, and listen, that was a very physical thing that happened in the Old Testament. You know, the truth is, as the church, 
In the New Testament, we are called to multiply. We're called to share the gospel with people and reproduce spiritual sons and daughters of God. And I wonder how many times we stop preaching in Jesus' name when we're commanded to stop. I wonder, I wonder if instead of living in faith, we live in fear as New Testament Christians and don't take the step to, to have enough faith to just keep preaching the gospel and see spiritual reproduction happen in our generation. You see, faith will immobilize us, or excuse me, faith will mobilize us, fear will immobilize us. And, and listen, we are called to, to reproduce spiritually. We're called to preach the gospel and make disciples of all nations. And the question for us, maybe, you know, maybe you're here today and you're, you're not a mother and you didn't get the popcorn and the flour. Well, Butch did. But anyways, okay, so <laughs> I, just, I had to joke on Butch, man. Butch was making sure none of the ladies are going to get sick today in that popcorn. He taste tested. It's all good. <laughs> but maybe you're checking out because you're like, man, this is Mother's Day. I got the day off. No, listen, you're called to reproduce too. We're all called to reproduce spiritually. We're called to preach the gospel and make disciples. And the thing that will immobilize us is fear. I want you to understand God has not given us a spirit of fear. So 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7 is in your Bible for a reason. Paul writes to his young disciple Timothy, and he says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. And listen, every, every disciple of Jesus in this room needs to have an understanding of that verse. If you are living in fear, God did not give you that fear. God didn't give you the spirit of fear. God gave you the spirit of power, and of love, and a sound mind. Listen, that is what you need as a child of God, and, and let me just say it, that's what you need as a parent. You have to live in power and love and sound mind, not in fear. That's what your child needs. Your child needs a parent that is full of faith, that lives in power and love and a sound mind, not a parent that's full of fear. Uh, any fearful parents in the room? Uh, man, when, when we had our first daughter, uh, you know, I'm like to level 10. I'm kind of a type A level 10 kind of guy anyways, if you know me. But man, I mean, we had our daughter at the hospital and all of a sudden, man, I'm like checking out. I'm looking at every person, man. Is this guy going to steal my baby? Is this lady going to steal my baby? I mean, did you wash that? Did you clean that? When's the last time you mopped that? I mean, listen, have you washed your hands? You don't come into our room without hand gel. I mean, my job, my wife's designated job was to make sure everybody that came in the room had hand geled. Did you hand gel? Get out. <laughs> Get out. There's one right outside the door. You go hand Joe, you can come back in. If you don't hand Joe, you can't come back in. Man, fearful because God had given me this precious gift. And I don't want anybody or anything to hurt it, right? We, we live like that. We operate like that. Many times we parent like that. I, I parent like that. You do too. God wants us to parent full of faith. It doesn't mean that you let your kid, you know, take the go-kart through the field with no helmet and the governor <laughs> taking off the engine or any of that stuff. But it does mean that, that you trust that God, God is sufficient. You can't watch your, your kid 24-7. Any helicopter parents in the room? You are my people. You are my people, man. I, I'm with you, man. What are you doing? 30 seconds later, what are you doing now? Why are you doing that? What are you doing? Man, we, we parent in fear. We, 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 we act in fear. God hadn't given us a spirit of fear, but God... Through his word, through his Holy Spirit, through Christ, he's given us the spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. 
That's what we need as parents. That's what we need as parents. We don't need to be full of fear. We need to be full of faith. Jochebed was full of faith, and she multiplied, and she had children in the direst of situations, knowing the king's commandment, but trusting in her God, trusting in her God. I wish I'd learned this a lot earlier. You know, we may have had 30 kids. Okay, anyways, no, number, my wife's not in here. Number two, but she'll listen to the story. Number two, we see that this mother, Jochebed, she had faith in protecting her son, faith in protection. And and I want to just call you back to verses two through four again, because the Bible says that when she saw him, when she saw Moses, that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could no longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and she, she dabbed it with slime and pitch. In other words, she sealed the inside of this little thing. And she put the child therein, and she laid it in the flags by the river's brink. And his sister stood afar off to wit what would be done to him. Remember, that river was the river that the king said put all the babies in if they're male. It, it was the place of death, right? And, and that river that was meant to be the place of death... Well, listen, Jochebed knew that. She knew the commandment of the king, but she did not fear the king's commandment. The truth is she feared the Lord. And, and, and again, she made provision to protect her child. She made provision to protect, protect her child. And so instead of placing her son in the river, Jochebed put Moses in an ark. And by the way, it was an ark that she prepared. She, she got the bulrushes, whatever that is, whatever plant that is, the reeds or something like that. She got the slime. She, she, she got the pitch. She sealed the inside of that thing so it would be waterproof. And then she put her child in that ark, and then she put that ark in the river. I just want to give you a, a tip this morning. That ark is a picture or a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and here is a mother making preparation to put her son in the only place of protection that's really going to matter in an ark. You see, if you study the Bible, that ark that's mentioned uh, in Exodus chapter 2, the same word ark is used with Noah and his ark. It's the exact same word. And if you study Noah's ark, well, there were people that were in that ark, Noah and his family, that were in a place of protection while the entire world was being judged because of its sin and being flooded. But those that were in that ark were protected. They were safe. They were sealed. Well, that's what this ark is for Moses. This ark is a place of security. Listen, it was, it was dabbed with slime and pitch. In other words, it was waterproof. Moses would not have drowned in it because he was in the ark. It was sealed. And guys, listen, that's what Christ does for us. When you put your faith and trust in Christ, when you become in Christ through the gospel, the Bible tells us, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 14, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, the Bible says that we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of God. In Christ is the place of protection and security. And so this ark was a place of security and protection. And the other thing I want you to understand this morning is this, that ark was personally for Moses and Moses only. Because salvation is a personal issue. And so, and so let me unpack the picture here. You know, as a parent, God has given me the privilege, and you the privilege, and as a mom especially, listen, you, you have a tremendous influence with your child. As a parent, the truth is I need to live by faith as I prepare to put my child in Christ. 
So, so here, here's the principle. Salvation doesn't happen by proxy. In other words, look, just because I'm a pastor or I'm a preacher, it doesn't mean my kid is automatically going to get saved. Okay, they're not saved. They're not riding the salvation coattail of their parent. Your children aren't either. Salvation doesn't happen by proxy, but let me tell you, church, it does happen by preparation. It does happen by preparation. In other words, listen, we are called as parents to prepare to put our child in Christ. That takes preparation. That takes intentionality. That takes us dying to ourselves and our wants and our needs so that we can teach our children about Christ. And listen, I don't know what, if you're a parent this morning, if you aren't doing that, if you aren't preparing your child to, to understand the gospel and understand who Christ is and modeling that not only through your words, but through your actions and lifestyle. If you aren't doing that as a parent, well, I don't really know what you are doing because nothing else is going to matter. I mean, listen, I don't know what you're preparing them for. You know, I'm about sick of our school system. No offense. We have a lot of teachers in here that are missionaries in our school systems. But man, it seems like when we send our kids to school, now we teach them how to take tests. And that's no teacher's fault. That's our administration's fault and our system's fault. Listen, what are we preparing our children for? Are we preparing them just to have good grades or just to pass a test in school? Are we preparing them for sports? I mean, you take how much time that we invest in our children with sports, video games, all the different things. All are wonderful things. I enjoy all those things. And you do too. Listen, those are all wonderful things. But does the time that we spend preparing them for those things, how does that time prepare? How does that time spent compare to the time that we teach them and invest in them on how to pray? And how to hear God's word? Or how to read God's word? Or how to serve? How to serve? Man, I'm thankful for our young kids that serve in this church. So parents that, that have kids that are serving in this church, man, you're rocking it. You're doing a great job leading by example. As a parent, we are called to live by faith to prepare to put our children in Christ. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 to 4 says this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother. And we certainly are trying to do that today uh, as a church. We want to honor you that are called mother this morning. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. So God's got a key promise connected to that commandment. You honor your parents or you may not live long. I thought my life was going to be short. <laughs> many, many times. <laughs> and was threatened as such. <laughs> Any mamas in the room that threatened that life? Okay. I know what you're talking about. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but listen, bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And I know that's talking to fathers, and I know this is Mother's Day, but listen, the point is, as parents, we're to bring our children up in nurture and admonition of the Lord. Ephesians 6 and verse 15 says that our feet should be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The preparation. And so, and so I just want to encourage you this morning, listen, the best place, mom, that your child can be the best place they can be in safety and security and protection is not under your proverbial mother's wing. And I'm thankful for that. But mom, listen, the best place that your child could be is in Christ. It's in Christ. And, and, and moms, you have that 
proverbial mother's wing to, to shelter and, and guard them and protect them. But as you're doing that, you need to point them to Christ. You need to bring them to Christ. Because, because listen, every parent needs to listen to what I'm about to say. One day that child is going to grow and become a toddler and then become a teenager. And if you let them live after that, a, younger, a young adult, I'm thankful my mom let me live past the teenage years, quite honestly. That was one of the times where my life was almost cut short right there. Listen, they're going to grow into adulthood, and the reality is one day they're going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 9, verse 27 says this, As it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. And the truth is that our children, some of them may become great ball players, may become academically strong, may become wealthy in their profession, may make a name for themselves professionally. All the things that we quote-unquote want for them. But the reality is, the truth is, one day our child will grow to maturity and then, and then either die or at the rapture or at the judgment seat of Christ or the great white throne judgment, depending on how they respond to the gospel, they'll stand before the Lord Jesus Christ himself and give an account. We don't want to miss... The, the privilege of preparing our children to be saved in Jesus Christ. You know, Paul, Paul saw this in his young disciple's life, Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5, when, when Paul is writing to this young man that he led to Christ, the, the young man that became his disciple and ultimately became a pastor and a ministry leader, I love this passage because it, it, it mentions this legacy of faith that was invested in Timothy's life. Paul says, when I call to remember, remembrance the unfeigned faith that's in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded that is also in thee. Timothy was on the receiving end of a legacy of faith, of some godly women that walked in faith, that didn't walk in fear, and they, 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 they invested spiritual principles into Timothy's life. And listen, Paul won him to Christ, but their influence was undeniable. Their influence was absolutely undeniable. And so, and, and so, listen, I don't know what you're preparing your child for. I don't even know if that's on your radar. And I want to say some things, and I know we have young people in the room, so I will be very careful how I say this. You know, we, we value the sanctity of life, you know, as Christians, certainly. And, and some of the things that happen in our country, you know, listen, Man, there's a raging debate on the sanctity of physical life, right? I mean, there is a debate raging, and, and man, when does life happen? And, 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 and you know, is it, is it at conception? Is it at birth? When does it happen? Most of us, I think, in this room value life in such a way that we would say that physical life is precious. We value it. We, we, we think that's a gift from God. And we would say... If the king commanded us to drown our children, we're not going to do that. That's what we would say. However, I wonder how many parents don't drown their children physically, but possibly drown them spiritually because they never prepare them to hear and receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, we, we would value the sanctity of physical life to the nth degree in this church, and we should. But so many times, I think as parents, sometimes we miss the real important things in life. And sometimes I think instead of drowning our, our children physically in this river of death, we, we drown them 
spiritually with the cares of this life and the cares of this world and the command of the God of this world. And we don't have any regard for the preciousness of the sanctity of spiritual life that only happens through Jesus Christ. And, and man, listen, we will push them to get a degree. We'll push them for success in a job. We'll push them to become married and have children and all those different things. But guys, listen, without the gospel, none of that matters in eternity. It does not matter in eternity. And, and we would even look down on those that don't regard the sanctity of life the way we, the way we do, physically. But aren't we, aren't we hypocrites when we don't view spiritual life with such fervor, with such importance, with such regard that, man, by the grace of God, I don't want my kid to drown in the rivers of this life and the cares of this life and this wicked world system. I want them to be safe in that ark that is Christ. And I'm going to do everything as a parent I can to prepare them for that. You see, that'll change the way we go home today. That'll change the way we pray with our kids at night. If we don't pray with our kids, we can start praying with our children. How often? Every night. You pray with them every night. You say, man, I ain't got time for that. Cut your Netflix off. You got time for it. Quit your job if you need to. I'm just telling you, man, as a parent, you know. So I've got an eight-year-old and a three-year-old. I'm not telling you I'm a great parent because many of you know me personally, so you know, you know that's not the case. But by the grace of God, man, we've tried every night since they've been born to pray with them personally. Every night as a parent. Either I'm praying with one. Now that we got two, we can, you know, it's man-to-man. We, we've gone from, you know, two-on-one like double team in basketball terms to now man-to-man. And, uh, and that works out pretty good sometimes. But by the grace of God, man, we pray every night with our children. Just this past week, our three-year-old, you know, Allie's in there going to pray with her. I'm praying with the oldest. And the three-year-old says, I'm going to pray. And instead of, instead of Allie praying for her and with her, the three-year-old says, I'm going to pray first. And Allie's like, what? <laughs> and, of course, you never know, man, with my three-year-old, because most of you know her. And <laughs> there's no telling what's coming out of her mouth. And Allie came out of there, and her eyes were just like, you know, saucers. And it was just like, man, she nailed that prayer. I mean, she prayed for baby Moses, and she prayed for Jesus, and she prayed for her family, and she thanked God for her home. And this is a three-year-old. And I'm just like weeping, man. Kids can get it. My point is they're worth investing in. They're worth praying with. They're worth teaching the Bible to. They're worth investing in spiritually. We have to prepare as parents. Number next, we have to hurry. Lastly, so, so Jochebed, man, she had, she had faith in multiplying. She had faith in, in protecting her child, putting Moses in, in the ark, which is a picture of Christ. And then lastly, she had faith in nourishing her son. And this is really cool because in, in, in verse 5 of the passage, Exodus 2 and verse 5. So, so he's in the ark and, and everybody's just kind of anxiously waiting to see what's going to happen. Well, the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river, the Bible says, and her maidens walked along by the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child and behold, the babe wept. And she had compassion on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. Then said his sister, this would have been Miriam again, to Pharaoh's daughter, hey, shall I go and call thee a nurse of the Hebrew women that she may nurse this child, the, the child for thee? 
Now, you talk about the providence of God right there. I mean, Pharaoh's daughter shows up. You don't know what's going to happen, man. Is she going to drown the kid? Is she going to have compassion on the kid? Well, of course, she has compassion. She's a woman. And then right there is Miriam to say, hey, does this baby need a nurse? I know one. <laughs> and so the Bible says in, 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 in the next verse, uh, verse, verse 8, And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse it for me. His own mother. And I will give thee wages. Are you kidding me? I'm going to pay you to do this. And the woman took the child and nursed it. And so this woman had faith in nourishing. You know, babes weep. You know that if you've had babes. Babies, you know, they come out generally uh, unhappy. Uh, that's just the way it is. Some of us never get over it. Okay, so, you know, babes weep. They need to be nourished. Uh, only God could have worked out these de details. This just shows you, you know, God's providence has eyes, man. A woman that's walking in faith, God just continues to bless and increase her faith. And so Miriam suggests, hey, let me get a Hebrew nurse Miriam goes and gets her mom, and her, his own mom becomes the nurse to Moses. And so Moses is a babe. That's a picture of salvation. We, we've kind of studied this before, and even in this, we've mentioned this. He's a babe. He's, he's crying out. He needs nourishment, and nourishment is a picture of discipleship. And so, and so Paul, when Paul wrote to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, you know, Paul, that was, that was like, uh, in my opinion, uh, the first epistles that Paul wrote were to the Thessalonians. In chapter 2 and verse 7, Paul's kind of recalling his ministry experience among, amongst those believers. Here's what he said in, in chapter 2, verses 7 to 8. To the Thessalonians, he says, We were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. So Paul says the way to do ministry is, is to do it just like a mom does. You do ministry like a mom you cherish your children, he says in verse 8, so being, desirously, or so being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because you were dear to us. You know, that's what nourishing looks like. Paul says, look, we, we didn't just preach the gospel to you, and then once you got saved, we said, okay, man, uh, we'll see you in eternity. Take it, take it easy. No, Paul said, look, when we preach the gospel to you, we then imparted our own soul to you. We loved you like a nurse that cherishes her own children, a mother that's nursing that cares for her own children. You say, why is that important, Jay? Well, every mother in this room, you know what pouring out your own soul really means. And I commend you for that. That's something only a mom can do. I mean, as a mother, you understand. You pour out your own soul for your children. You do it year after year. You do it selflessly, tirelessly, with the aid of the Holy Spirit of God, and occasionally the aid of caffeine, <laughs> of whatever choosing. You are the one that are literally positioned by God and equipped to make an eternal impact in the lives of your children. No one can disciple your kids better than you. Nobody can disciple your kids better than you. Moses needed his mother to nourish him, and your children need you to nourish them. I'm thankful, I'm thankful we have so many people, you know, that serve and ministry at our church. Sunday school teachers. Right now, uh, we have people teaching in children's church and in the nursery and uh, walk, watching our toddlers and all those different things. But I'm just telling you, the power of influence from a mother, it's literally soul to soul. You have that kind of influence. 
And so I think God would want to encourage you this morning to, to capitalize on that preparation. Paul said, this is the way we do ministry. So, so m- the men in the room, we need to understand. I think we, we err on the side of imparting knowledge. Uh, we have to learn to bear our soul to the people that we're trying to minister to. Like a mom. Like a mom. We can learn a lot from, from a mother. Well, how did Moses turn out? You know, in Acts chapter 7, the Bible does say that he grew up. He actually went to the University of Pharaoh and uh, got his secular education. The Bible says in Acts chapter 7, verse 22, that Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and mighty in words and deeds. You know, at some point, that, that little babe became a young man, and he got educated in that Egyptian world system. And isn't that scary, man, when those kids grow up and then go to college, right? Okay, none of you are fearful of that or... I'm dreading it. Like, I don't even want my kid to go to, like, third grade next year. <laughs> I mean, what are they going to learn, you know? And, and, and Moses was, was fully educated in all these different things, man, uh, from the Egyptian standpoint. And you got to wonder, man, how, how impactful was his mom's faith in his life? Well, I, I think it's pretty clear from the book of Hebrews that when he came to years, the Bible says in Hebrews 11, verses 24 to 26, The Bible says of Moses, by faith. And as his parents were were parents of faith, and now Moses is a man of faith. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, in other words, when now, man, the, the proof is in the pudding, and whatever I invested in that kid at an early age is about to come out. What's about to come out? Is he going to go the way of the Egyptian? Is he going to walk like an Egyptian? Okay, so you missed that. I mean, is he going to settle for complacency and wealth and fame and a position in Pharaoh's kingdom? Or is he going to know the one true God that that I know, right, as a parent, as his mom and his dad? I mean, is he going to know the one true God? Well, I think think the proof plays out, man, when your children are of age, and, and here it is, right? Listen, when he was come to years, Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. So there's three, three little verbs in this passage about Moses. Number one, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He didn't lose his identity. And as Pharaoh's daughter, he would have certainly been popular. He would have had access to fortune and treasures of Egypt, unimaginable wealth, possibly leadership in Pharaoh's court, possibly on his staff, possibly in line for the throne, depending on how you look at that. He refused that. Verse 25 says, Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. And he had respect unto the recompense of his reward. See, Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh, his daughter. He chose to suffer affliction with the people of God. Well, his mother certainly suffered affliction as the people of God. And all of a sudden now, Moses is choosing that same path for himself. He's he's choosing to leave Egypt, leave the world, leave that demonic, demon-possessed leader who is a picture of the Antichrist in your Old Testament. He's choosing to leave that and to walk by faith. He's choosing to leave that and become a minister of God and a leader of God's people, Israel. It was a choice. And then lastly, he esteemed the reproaches of Christ greater riches than the riches of Egypt. I think Jochebed did it right. What do you think? And listen, Moses wasn't perfect. She wasn't perfect. 
you ain't perfect and I'm not either. But God has called us to live by faith as a parent. God has called us to not live in fear. God has called us to prepare our children to meet Jesus, to receive the gospel. And then God has called us to nourish them in the faith. And so Mother's Day really is a call for all of us to step up to that challenge. And listen, we all come from different places and different backgrounds, and I understand that this morning, and I don't want to be an idiot. If that's not where you're walking today, will you take this word from God and maybe consider that that's where God wants to lead you? And would you consider repenting and, and saying, God, help me to become a parent like that. God, help me to become, by your grace and your wisdom and your mercy, help me to become a parent like that. For Jesus' name's sake and for my children's sake. You know, some of you have parents that are like that. You've grown up in those homes. Your parents' faith has to become your faith. At some point, your parents' faith has to become your faith. The Bible says, by faith, Moses began to choose some things for himself. And I wonder how many of us maybe grew up in a home that, that had those experiences and we had those good parents and we had biblical teaching and we had sound doctrine and we had parents that took us to church and, and, and just faithfully prayed for us and with us and taught us the word of God and, and all those different things and prayed the prayer that Jacobed prayed for her son. But yet that faith is not ours yet because we haven't responded to God's calling on our life. You can do that today. And and don't do it for your mother's sake, but I guarantee you should be happy. You do it for the Lord's sake so that you please him. All right, guys, let's pray. We'll dismiss.